in going back and looking at her other work, you know, I put everything in my final cut, you know, software to start cutting them apart to make my argument about why she's wonderful. And looking at Eon Flux through the tiny little window in my uh, in my final cut editing, you know, bay, I was like, God, geez, this is beautiful. Like, how have I never seen how pretty this is? You know, like I just I, every single composition was so arresting. I couldn't like I could almost not land on clips from the movie to use because I wanted to use all of them. Alright, hi everyone. Welcome to another episode of a podcast directed by. So we are on our second episode of our Karen Kusama month uh, here in February. So now we are in Eon Flux. Uh, so this is where I guess everything started to go wrong for Miss Kusama. Uh, this is a movie when I, uh, I'll just admit to this, uh, I own this movie. Uh, so Good for you, this, this is a movie I've watched three or four times now. Um, and when I posted that I was watching it on our, <laughs> on our Twitter feed, my reaction was like, you know, now watching Eon Flux, uh, just getting ready for the questions of why. Cause that's usually the reaction mm-hmm. everyone has. If you say you're watching something like Eon Flux, it's like, God, why would you do that to yourself? Why? Um, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and say this is a good movie. Uh, but it's kind of a, it's kind of a beautiful mess. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, there is a plot, but like, I mean, I couldn't <laughs> I tell you, you what spot. it is. Let me put you on the spot. Okay. Like without, you know, you don't have to do a lot of research now or like anything. I don't think there's too high of a bar and expectations here. If you could just briefly tell someone, here's why you should watch this on, is it on Netflix still? I don't know. I watched it on Netflix. I don't know if it's still. I don't know. There. I have it on physical media. So. Oh yeah. You have uh, every possible know. version of it. VHS, <laughs> you know, everything. Um, everything but the director's cut. Cause that's gone forever. Apparently. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll give you time to think of a summary. Uh, but just, there's a little side thought. Uh, when you have these failed projects like this, like, you know, we, right now we're seeing like, uh, you know, I guess every few months the fanboys do their like release the Snyder cut nonsense Ugh. for Justice League, which shut up. Look, whatever, <laughs> fine. Like, I'm, I'm all for like, if something is regarded as like a miss or didn't work, mm-hmm. go ahead and give me a different version. Like, it is funny to me that something like Blade Runner, which as far as, like as far back as I can remember has been seen as like a classic, no matter which version you're talking about yep. that gets like 15 different like updates, but the ones that don't work, I don't understand why the studios aren't like, you know what? Fine. Here's, you know, go back in the editing bay, uh, or we'll just release what you already turned into us and we'll try to make another buck out of it. I, I don't understand that, especially now in the age of digital and streaming, Upload it. Just upload it and sell yeah. it to people if they want it. Like, I, if that had been available for this podcast, I definitely would have preferred to watch, <laughs> you know, that version. So now that I've given you a little bit of time, Dave, tell our listeners if they haven't seen it. What I mean, what is this? Like I watching on Flux because, <laughs> uh, because it is about because Charlie Theron looks really hot in those outfits. I don't know. Like visually, okay. visually it's stunning. Not just that. Like it's got you know, it's got a lot going for it visually. The plot, I mean, like, I even went to, like, look it up on Wikipedia, and, like, I read the first three sentences, and my eyes kind of glazed over, which is kind of the appropriate response, I think. I think it's funny that it's set in, like, uh, like, the very beginning of it's set in 2011, 
apparently there was this deadly disease that killed 99% of people. Uh, now there's like a, you know, kind of a, you know, a, a group, this government running everything that's doing terrible things. And then there's like a revolution going on, but they're like trying to blend it. It's stupid. I mean, it just, and I was one of those people that like really enjoyed the, like the, like the six part cartoon series that was originally on liquid television. But even that you're like, well, this is great for three minutes. Like it's visually stunning mm-hmm. and there's a lot, there's a lot to look at, but like, what does this mean? Not much. I mean, you're there for the the action sequences, you're there for the costumes, you're there for, you know, maybe in Frances McDormand's case, the god-awful wig they put her in. There's a lot going on here, but it's all visual stuff. Like, I don't... It's a movie that I could very easily put on in the background, because I do not have to pay attention to it to enjoy it. Like, you could honestly put this on mute and enjoy it just as much as if you had the sound on. I think the movie will probably frustrate you more the more you're paying attention because I Agreed. attempted to and I'm like, wait a minute. And I even had the background of the because uh, one thing that came out of this uh, on the last episode, I said I'm part of the problem because I saw the trailers. and I was like, oh, they're making a movie out of that. Cool. Never watched the movie. But around that time period, because of the film, the uh, they put out a box set DVD of all of the animated series. If you I guess if you call it that the you know they cut out like 25 minutes (laughs) i guess and you know i watched it so to be fair to the film watching those cartoons as an adult it felt like a weird like like you're getting a chance to experience a fever dream you had as like a child again or teenager where i'm like oh i thought watching them again i just didn't understand because i was a kid and it's like (laughs) no they don't don't really make much sense like there's a lot of uh shifting dynamics as far as like, you know, it's the spy versus spy thing, like whether they're going to kill each other or not, people will die. They come back the next episode. Uh, sometimes they're killing each other. Uh, sometimes they're like having sex and then they go ahead and kill each other. Like, I, I mean, <laughs> there's a little bit of that that they try to honor in this film, which I kind of yeah. dig, but it makes you realize like, I guess with like sci-fi or any of this kind of like pulpy fun, like the more you attempt to explain something, which is why I was trying to, you know, put you in that particular prison, uh, the less satisfying it is. Yep. Like, and so they actually do explain why all of a sudden, like Charlie Theron's apparent nemesis, uh, is like an ally instead. And, you know, the allies are not be trusted, all of that stuff. And I think for the most part, you just throw your hands up and you're like, I don't, yeah. I don't really care. Whatever. <laughs> When's just... the next, like, you know, scene where someone has you know hands for feet when when are we gonna jump across this alleyway like that's the fun stuff like i this feels like and i don't think this is kusama's fault necessarily but this feel like a lot like a sizzle reel where it's like okay what cool shit can i do visually and she does a lot of cool shit visually uh but i like read up a little bit on the production and apparently like according to kusama like she had a finished film um and then the studio was like no we're not doing this. And they brought people in to like cut it into a million pieces and they like removed storylines. They removed characters. They added stuff. And like, she, she said, like she kind of watches it down. She's like, yeah, this doesn't make any sense. But the movie I made made sense. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where that is. Cause the studio has ownership of it. And that's like, as I'm watching more and more of her work, this does genuinely depress me that like, maybe there is a really good version of this somewhere, but it's gone. You know, and this is what happens with studio systems where they just come in and be like, nope, we're not releasing that because we don't think it's marketable. And clearly this wasn't either because this was a gigantic failure uh, at the box office. Like, it's just like one of the biggest box office bombs of all time. 
And again, Kusama gets saddled with this, even though by all accounts, this really had nothing, like the final product had very little to do with her at all. You know, so it's like, it's sad to see like a really obviously really gifted director, both storytelling wise and visually has people come in and be like, nope, we're changing everything. Yeah. I mean, it's a big, it's a big swing, right? Which, so you, Mm -hmm. you put us back into this time period and I'm assuming the, uh, the notion of making this probably came off of the matrix. Like, well, people accepted that weird bullshit. They'll accept our weird bullshit and we'll all make a mint here. But like the matrix did have, as far as I know, like the through line of it, this was the vision of two particular filmmakers right. and, and they had, really... and they had to have a successful movie in order to get, to get that right. Like they had to make bound, uh, before. And then they were like, okay, you, you, you can make a successful movie. Okay. You go ahead. And cause I was not given that opportunity. Like, I mean, I don't know if there's anything in this film, like it's very slick and cold. And I mean, the, the setting, uh, of the film sort of dictates that because there's this little bubble of the population. Uh, and <laughs> I don't know if it matters if we get into spoiler territory as far as why, you know, they're, you know, how they're dealing with the disease. But uh, it's obviously like one of those sort of big brother type societies where uh, some people have control and it's for the, for the betterment of the, the human race to the sort of cling on to their, uh, their station on this planet. But, you know, the matrix had, it had Trinity jumping over the street. It had stuff that we had not seen before right. other than what the khakis commercials for what gap or, or whatever. Gap. Like, yeah. you know, it had something where it was like, well, I would like to see that one scene and I'll go along with the rest of the mumbo jumbo because I don't believe that when, even when the matrix came out, even though it was a success, like a runaway success, I still think like, you know, there was a lot of people I talked to. They didn't really understand. Like they kind of got the, the gist of it. Right. right. It's like, uh, robots are bad. I saw Terminator. It's kind of like a new Terminator, isn't it? <laughs> sure. Good enough. <laughs> but, you know, you know, being in the Matrix, the software, all of that, this one, you, it's hard to distill it down to that, that robots are bad. You, mm-hmm. It's a, it's it's <laughs> it's somehow both like more nuanced than the Matrix and also incredibly dumber than the Matrix. <laughs> like, And that's a that's a hard pill to swallow for this and it doesn't have that one killer set piece that you can right. sell in the trailer it, yeah. it does have like a general like that looks kind of expensive but it doesn't have that one really cool action scene that would get people to remember it and i like because i just watched it recently and i don't know what that one scene would be you mentioned people with feet for hands <laughs> or hands for feet but it's like i don't know if that's gonna <laughs> that get you to 100 million i don't know apparently not <laughs> in your world it does <laughs> that would rule. you've watched it three times yeah <laughs> So, I mean, I think you bring up a great point that this is both, like, way too complex and way too fucking dumb. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's a lot going on that, like, never, ever, ever gets explained. And also, honestly, as a viewer, if you're enjoying this movie, you also don't care about that. Mm-hmm. Like, you're just there for the pretty pictures, really. Um, and then they have this, like, this gotcha ending uh, where, like, apparently, actually, uh, everything's great uh, outside of these walls. There's land everywhere so it's like it's one of those things where it feels you like dumb dumbs you should just <laughs> yeah, open the door just open the door and <laughs> look a fern <laughs> we were fine this whole time um so if you're gonna have an ending like that and i i don't want this but you need this movie to be longer you know you need to like drop hints you need to like you know have an actual storyline that's leading to that because like i don't know like 
all the kind of like, is the world actually living outside of these walls anymore? It's not even something people are wondering in this movie. So like when that happens, my reaction as viewers is like, who cares? I'm more interested in like, how do we overthrow the shitty rulers and the shitty society? I'm not worried about if there's plants growing a mile outside the city walls, like, cause that stuff's not even mentioned really. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and that feels like, I don't know if that was like a studio thing, but it just feels so, it feels like a studio ending. Like we need to have a hopeful ending. So like, look, the world is actually fine outside, which has been done a thousand times in like a bunch of different types of movies. And you're just kind of like, and I'm watching the movie and every time I watch it, I forget about that ending. So it's clearly not that shocking because I just am like, oh yeah, oh yeah, the plant life thing, I guess, you know? So it's like, I think there are, I just hope one day that that director's cut is made available. It's probably, it's probably been burned. It's probably never going to see the light of day. But I do think with Charlize Theron in a lead role about a movie about rebellion, there's some good stuff here. Like there are some kernels of a good movie, but it's so chopped up. It's like, Maybe you've had this experience where you've been a guest on someone else's show and they're not a very good editor and like things are just like chopped in strange places and you're like, oh, my ear can hear that this is not a natural conversation. That's what Ian Flux feels like to me is like this. Nothing about it feels organic. And of course, the look is not supposed to be organic, but in terms of like the story, like it's just like and then this thing happened and then another thing happened and the same actor is there but we don't really know why and we cast Johnny Lee Miller for god knows what reason because the man can't act his way out of, out of a wet paper bag but we're going to have him be like <laughs> one of the people we focus on in this movie and it's just like it is a mess and it's a movie i realize i've watched a bunch of times and i think i probably only paid attention to it once you know what i mean like in terms of like yeah. let me figure this out the missing half hour or so uh, of this movie uh, could help. I mean, it's – you know me. I'm all for a 90-minute movie. Uh, but there is that uh, that ability to make a film feel much longer just because you're in that sort of agitated state of like, huh? What? What am I watching? Where it just feels like this is taking a lot longer because you're like trying to like convince yourself I've missed something when really you have not – um apparently the you know the original i guess creator of the series he was not happy and but he also in like true like original creator fashion like i I saw a quote where he was like i read the original script i don't think i would have liked the longer version either um (laughs) it sounds a lot like the guy uh that uh created hellboy that apparently Mm. really didn't like what del toro did oh like yeah then got a chance for like you know a more pure version to come out uh last year (laughs) (laughs) yeah how'd that work out um well it's the stephen king the shining thing right like he made his own version put his stamp on it and it's terrible so like maybe take a step back when it comes to adaptation i tell you what though there's definitely some youtube clips you can pull out that one to sell that as like an True. entertaining work uh it is a bit maybe not long, good though. but entertaining isn't it is it like three hours four hours long like it's, i think it's like three and a half yeah yeah it's, that's it's, yeah that's a lot um so yeah, the the Stephen King's The Shining passes the YouTube test. Uh, Karen Kusama's Eon Flux does not, as far as getting you uh, to check out the disc. Don't worry, Dave has all of them. I believe he's he is the Amazon vendor for Eon Flux. Right. You now. want a copy? You just you just call me. Yes. I think my my biggest issue, like, and it goes back to the Matrix, which is I guess like the best of both worlds. Um, where it seems like the ones that stay in 
pop culture sort of consciousness are the like the sci-fi stories that inspire some debate. Like mm-hmm. it's like sci-fi, you know, that we read in fiction is a, just a lot of talking. It's just a lot of ideas, like the exchange mm-hmm. of ideas and these sort of moral quandaries that the characters find themselves in. And there's a little bit of that here. Like there is this sort of like the way we've been doing things is a way of living forever. Like we're keeping like the best and brightest, like always working on the problem and they'll never die off. And that's an interesting like story if you want to approach it like without that being the reveal, without that right. being the twist. Right. Where it's like you have this stagnation of the society because it's the same in this case, <laughs> Johnny Lee Miller and company, it's like the same dudes who are forever in power and forever saying that they're working on a fix when really there's no, there's nothing there to move them off like the position that they're going to have for eternity. Like, why would they ever want to present a fix? And that's like, that's a, that's a pretty cool, like little sci-fi story, Mm -hmm. but shrouding it in mystery just kind of, (laughs) it leads me. And I presume a lot of the viewers down this path where by the time you get to that, you're like, okay, fine. Like, (laughs) like, (laughs) let's just, let's just wrap this up now. Like, you know, you've, you've got Francis McDormand in the, uh, Tilda Swinton role, like just, you know, popping up, like she's, uh, she's like an MTV VJ or something. (laughs) A little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Pete, uh, was it Postal Wait? Is that his name? Postal Wait. Yep. Same thing. You know, he's just the weird kind of kooky guy in the sky. Um, I don't know. I mean, that feels like, like I, a Matrix sequel thing, where it's like yeah. just watching everything. So, <laughs> yeah, um, there, like, there, there are bits here, but I, I can't go so far as saying that the bits that I like ever on paper make this something to invest like 110 million dollars in. Like, I don't know right. who pulled that trigger, but uh, if you're going to do it, be damn passionate about the and confident in the people that you have like making it. Like, just go with the mess. Like, not to, I don't want to get this into Justice League again, but, you know, just the, by the way that turned out, DC probably would just been better off just like, you know, just keep backing the horse you've got. At this point, yeah, it's it's Snyder's vision. Just let it play out and then then reboot after. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, all involved would have been better to see Kusama because when you watch some of her later stuff, uh, I'm thinking in particular, yeah. like, the invitation. Like, she can handle, like, that sort of, that you know escalating tension on yes. these like ethical questions very well and you mm-hmm. put that in a sci-fi setting maybe she still didn't pull it off i don't know i i would like the opportunity to see if she did yeah i mean i think so much of the problem with this isn't her direction but the script and it's it's interesting i looked up like the writers of the script and she's continued to work with them and made good movies after this so maybe it was just like a bad match um of the people involved with the subject material though with this, like, with watching the old cartoon, like, I don't know that this is a good idea for a movie. Like, I don't think it, I don't think it makes sense after 20 minutes. Like, and I think with 20 minutes with these, like, kind of, like, uh, endings that, like, come out of nowhere, you're like, oh, God, what's going to happen next? It's perfect. But in terms of, like, a complete narrative story, none of it makes sense. Um, and these are... What these if are, it was an anthology film? That could totally work. I mean, anthol- like, that, that is exactly what it would be. Um, but in terms of like a standard narrative film, like it just doesn't work. And I think you hit the nail on the head with comparing it to, to the matrix because the matrix is convoluted, but when you boil it down, it's a simple savior story, right? It's a Messiah story. We know that story. We know the beats and it has, you know, bullet time and it's got, you know, it's got all the, like the moments that will really sell you. Whereas this has such a winding narrative and 
it makes the mistake, I think, in the very beginning of just kind of dropping you in the middle of this, like, revolution. And you don't know who you should care about, and you don't know why. You're like, oh, well, that's Charlize Theron, and I should care about her because she's the lead. And that's really all the movie gives you. And then it expects you to figure it out when it's not even laid out in a way where you can figure it out. You know, I'm all for complex movies that make you think, but this makes you think and gives you no reward for it. Like it's just, it just like makes you confused. And then at the the end, you're like, I still don't know what happened. And I should by that point, like we joke all the time about how there's like a thousand articles for every movie, like the ending of blank explained, like, you know, the ending of the Irishman explained, like, uh, he dies alone. What do you, that's the end. Like, (laughs) what do you want? This is a movie that I would actually be interested in hearing what this movie is actually about because i still don't know and i've watched it more than once you know and it does have it does have some interesting set pieces that climb up to the up to pete postlethwaite's character that stuff is good that stuff is good on an action level but even as it's happening i'm like why are we going up here again what are we what are we hoping to to do <laughs> what are we are we going to crash it are we going to steal it like i don't, I don't know because and again Shirley Saren is very good, uh, just in general, but also particularly good at playing ice cold, right? And that's what she kind of has to do for most of this movie. But the, the bad part about that is if that's your lead character, then I have no in and I have no reason to care about what she's doing other than like, oh, there's a cool action beat. There's a cool moment. But in terms of like character motivation, there is none. You know, and I will say about like the old cartoon, there's at least like the tiniest bit of character motivation. Like, because they don't bother with extensive plot. They're just like, this is the bad guy. This is the good guy. Oh, there's areas of gray here when they meet up. Great. But I don't think you really get that. And I don't know how much of it is the performances um, by our leads of not showing that gray and not showing that they maybe care about one another. It just, all of it feels combative and for reasons that are never clear to me as a viewer. We talked about uh, Basic Instinct one of these months was that mm-hmm. our second or third I think month i think third maybe yeah you it was know, third cuz we had a uh, john ford before that and then we started uh with uh coppola with sofia coppola so we moved into verhoeven after that which means now uh we are totally done with female filmmakers we i think we've got all of them right all the <laughs> they're still making I mean, movies. all that have made five movies i mean <laughs> i mean no no you know we're going to we're going to go Way back in the game. Yeah, way back. So, yeah. <laughs> got to work in our previews and our teasers, you know, for, right. for future uh, seasons. Um, yeah, I would say, like, going back to Basic Instinct, uh, you, we've had our share on this podcast of like combative, uh, hero, anti hero slash villain, uh, dynamic. And yeah, the other thing is watching the cartoon, it was far more like sexual than this shit. This is like, <laughs> I remember, I think that came out when I was in like seventh or eighth grade and, I was like, oh my god, like, <laughs> what There's is going on? There's a lot of uh, spy craft with tongues, I remember. A yes, lot of messages yes. passed through. <laughs> a lot Recording of necking devices through. French kissing, through, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it just, you know, just a little trashier, maybe. This is a little too cold and clean. And it, that's where the Matrix influence really sucks, because uh, the even Matrix... From a, even from a costuming perspective, I think it has an impact, yeah. right? Like, this, yeah. the kind of, like, skin-tight leather, like, this all looks like the matrix and if you look at that cartoon like there's barely any clothing like it's mm-hmm. just like Jesus. i'm sure you know charlie Stern probably is thankful that they didn't yes. try yes. to yes. uh <laughs> i've been on it's a weird not kick. A forgiving look 
as we've been on a on a recording break uh and i've been on a uh, like self-imposed like my own like health like podcast <laughs> break um i've been watching like january movies has been my kick so if you follow me on like letterbox because I, I saw something there, well i saw something where someone's like oh this this month is trash thank you it's just for like the oscar stuff that's like coming to you and i'm like what is a january movie now because i actually feel like refreshed when i get to january and i'm like something that doesn't have any like Aeon Flux, if it came out in January, I'd be like, thank God, something that's not aspiring <laughs> to win Academy Awards. What is this? Uh, so uh, I've answered the question that, yeah, it's mostly a lot of bad stuff uh, because I've consumed a lot of it, like I've mainlined it. But one of them was Electra with Jennifer Garner, uh, which came out, was that the same year as this? Um, yeah, 2005. So you have another like female sort of anti-hero character that if you read the comp books, it's like these like flowing <laughs> bits of cloth that, yes. you know, just allow the, barely covering, <laughs> allow the artist to, you know, draw from every angle, like the female form. Like, and, uh, I also had that thought. I'm like, I bet Jennifer Garner is like glad that's like, yeah, I'm not wearing that. Like, yeah. I think she's actually on record. Like, uh, no, I will not be, that will not be on my body. Um, that would be a very different movie. You know, I think if Verhoeven to go back to basic instinct, had oh, yeah. on flex, <laughs> It'd be a, it would not be $110 million. We must uh, honor the vision of the original. Creator. Yes. He would definitely, he would definitely be a fanboy in that regard, but he would probably piss them off in a different way. Um, I don't know. I think that, um, uh, this is something that I wouldn't mind. Like I would not mind a v- alternate version of this, uh, not just the actual one they filmed, but like after the invitation, if she got like ten million dollars to make a sci-fi movie, like yeah. a lower tier sci-fi, I think she would have made something really cool. But uh, yeah, the, an attempt to to revisit, redo the Matrix, you know, that didn't work out incredibly well for that franchise itself. Yeah, <laughs> the sequel. <laughs> Talk about diminishing returns. Yes. Yeah. Um. So we'll see. Uh, when are we going to get to them? By the way, have they? They've got more than enough movies, right? Oh, they've got. They've got Bound. Three Matrix movies. <laughs> um, Which I assume you would want to do in one episode. You would uh, count that as one. God. I just, I don't know. Speed like, Racer? Yeah, Speed Racer is another one. And they're making another Matrix movie. They do, because they have so. Jupiter Sending and Cloud Atlas. Oh, so they have oh, five. Uh, oh, that'd be a rough month for me, man. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff I don't like. Rough month for you. I, you gave me 20 Scorsese movies. That's a fucking lot of Marty. You're welcome, sir. <laughs> I, I want the listeners to know how obsessed I am with filmmakers that have only made five films. <laughs> you, <laughs> That's I don't, my new I don't thing. think I should even tell people now, like, this is Mike's month. They'll just be able to figure it out. Oh, there's only one one movie this episode? Oh, this must be Mike's. <laughs> gotta make room for all those January movies that I'm uh, watching. Yes, you know? gotta keep, you know, watching Underwater again. Good for you. Um, so, but I you think... You just pissed off a lot of people, Dave. A I lot know, of people oh, I on know. Twitter. I know. I mean, I've already been doing that. That's that's like my niche. <laughs> like the, that thing you like wasn't actually that good. I've become <laughs> that guy. Um, but but I think you're right about Kusama and science fiction. Is I would love to see her take on something small in terms of science fiction because I think she's really great with these these idea movies. And we'll I think we'll get to that, especially when we start talking about Jennifer's body and the invitation and in the next couple episodes. Like there is, she's really good at using genre to kind of illuminate these ideas that she's thinking about, you know, and this I think was just, especially, you know, if you told me, okay, this director who made a Sundance darling for like $9. Okay. Now we're going to give them a $200 million budget. 
you're like, oh, this is going to go very poorly. Like, it's just, it's just like if they gave whoever made me and Earl and the Dying Girl, if the next movie he made was like a $300 million, like, space epic, you're like, mm, is that a good choice? That seems like a bad call. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's not do that. But in this case, like, I just, I would, I want to read a book about her career at some point because, like, I just, I just don't know how you get from Girl Fight to here. How is this your next movie? Like, not only in terms of, like, giving her that budget, but also in terms of choice. Like, really? Like, <laughs> maybe it's like, oh, I just really wanted to work with Charlize Theron. I wanted to do a science fiction movie. I don't know what it is, but it seems like the weirdest jump that I think, I think it's the weirdest one film to one film jump we've done on this show. Like, it's so, so different from Girl Fight. I mean, other than it's got, like, a female hero who fights. I mean, that's it. That's the only, <laughs> that's the only connection. Yeah, the article that sort of kicked this off for me was actually uh, on BuzzFeed, and it's called "I'm Not Going Away, People," uh, and it's it's pretty in depth. It's coming out uh, after the invitation. This is April seventh, two thousand sixteen, and it kind of goes through the whole process. But you know, speaking to how <laughs> how do we get from Girl Fight to Aeon Flux, um, there was like a legitimate fear where it's like you know she cites people like you know Christopher Nolan who have these sort of uh, baby steps up as far mm-hmm. as budget uh, before, you know, before he got to Batman, you know, he, following Memento uh, Insomnia, mm-hmm. uh, I believe was before Batman. So he's yep. you know, moving his way up the ranks. Um, and basically, like, you know, there was a legitimate fear where it's like, OK, like the stuff that I'm into, uh, I'm not getting made and I need to, like, capitalize on this traction from Girl Fight. Like, you know, where, where like. It's this weird, uh, even more so now, like than back in the early 2000s. That's the peak of like you know DVD revenue, um, you know that that sort of disappearing middle class movie, yeah. that mid budget drama or thriller, uh, you know the perfect January movie, Dave. That's where I'm getting my thrillers and rom coms. Like I didn't realize that's where thrillers and rom com rom coms live when I started making a list of everything that comes out January and February. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at my letterbox, you're like, this guy is a fucking freak. Like he loves <laughs> Ashley Judd chasing or being chased, and he loves people falling in love. It's like murders in love. That is yeah. the two. I mean, I'm into that. That makes sense mm-hmm. to me. I think it's interesting what you're bringing up, though. You know, in terms of like moving stepwise in terms of budget. And it's interesting because directors don't do that anymore, but the reasoning is so different, right? So Marvel and the Disney complex will find a white guy who did one good movie uh, and then bring them in to uh, a $200 million budget. But they have like nine handlers from the Disney Corp to make sure they spend their money the right way. You know, whereas this seemed like, I mean, from what I can tell, it was like they gave her this huge budget. She did whatever she wanted, and then the studio came in at the end and was like, oh, no, no, we don't like this. Uh, we got to change everything. Whereas now they've avoided that completely, and they're just like, oh, we'll do it for you. Don't you worry. You just put your name at that top right there. We'll <laughs> we'll take care of the visuals. You just uh, just play with your cameras, son. You'll be fine. <laughs> like, so it's a very different world we live in now in terms of big-budget filmmaking, right? Like – Marvel is getting better at bringing in female filmmakers for female-led movies, like with Black Widow coming out, you know, that kind of thing. But it's still it's still a corporate enterprise, whereas this is definitely not. Like, this was not connected. I mean, it was connected to the cartoon, but it's not like that had a visual style that was going to transfer because you're going from animation to live action. So it's like you get all that freedom, 
and then they come in at the end and then just like take it away and be like, oh, we'll fix this for you. Don't you worry. And it ends up with a 9% on Rotten Tomatoes and losing $100 million. So there you go. Thanks, guys. Maybe trust a good director. I still would really like to see what she would have done with this to make this make sense. Because <laughs> I can't even, like, I'd like to see it, but I still can't picture it working. Like, even with her cut. Like, I, even if they, even if they changed, like, half of this movie, I'd still be like, yeah, it still doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, so, we'll see. Yeah, there, I think her, from this article, the, her point of reference was more, uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, is oh, what they I were trying to that. emulate, more yeah. so than The Matrix. Um, so, yeah, but that's still, that's still, like, a very, like, you know, small bullseye to hit, right? And to Crouching get that. Tiger also has a simple narrative. Yeah. And this does not. Like, from the look, I can totally see it. Like, the way mm-hmm. the, the martial arts is interacting with the environment, absolutely. But still, from a story perspective, needs a little work. So, but but I still, like, at, still at its heart, I still do enjoy it, like, on a visual level. Like I, can still I damn well on. hope so, because, you know, you, you own, your, your closet is full of them. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> I bought every but, copy. <laughs> now, that, that should be uh, on a Patreon reward, is you buying them a copy of this, like... <laughs> Aeon Flux. You know what? You, uh, you pay ten bucks a month, I will buy this for you, which means you've just bought it. But you know, <laughs> I'm sure you could cut a deal, like a wholesale cost for every remaining copy. <laughs> like we'll you, sell these for fifty cents. You would you've have to buy nine hundred you know, of them. Send them to Kentucky because I've got the land to store them. You, know, you can't have them in the Bay Area, but you know, like all my closets are full. Like I've got a shed in the backyard. I could put a. <laughs> That is a weird Gone Girl reveal for me. If like <laughs> I open up my shed and it's just copies of Eon Flux. <laughs> I wish that was real now. Uh, yeah, so I think that's all we're going to talk about for Eon Flux. We are off the rails. We have gone way off the rails. Uh, but the next movie that we're going to watch is another movie that, uh, let's say, got mixed reactions. Uh, is Jennifer's Body. Um, so, but a much better reputation now, right? This one's almost yeah, been it's, revived. Yeah, it's definitely one that has been, uh, you know, has been reassessed uh, by the public because it did not get good reviews uh, when it came out. I'm just looking right now to see if it's uh, available anywhere on streaming. Uh, you can rent it on Prime, of course, for like three or four bucks. But other than that, this is know. one I actually owned on disc. Because uh, I remember sending you a picture because I bought it from a used bookstore and right. I think it was a different region. And I was like, motherfucker, there's $3 down the drain. But I end up uh, purchasing it uh, on sale on iTunes at some point because I knew we were going to be doing it for the podcast. So this is my Aeon Flux. I own two copies of this, the digital and the physical. Look uh, I think it has you. a commentary track. I think the commentary track's on the physical. So I may give that a spin uh, yeah. if it will work on my <laughs> PlayStation. Yeah. It'll, it'll all be in French or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Terrible. All right. Uh, so that's it for this episode. We'll be covering Jennifer's Body next. Uh, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, our at is at DirectedByPod. And if you'd like to hear these interviews about all these directors, this month we had Scout Tahoya uh, from Ebert Voices uh, to talk about Karen Kusama. You can donate any amount per month, um, basically $1 and up on patreon.com slash podcast directed.